0: Are Canadians in the process of saying goodbye to your natural health products? No more ginseng, no more health product supplements. Is that where we're headed? Well, if you listen to Health Canada, it seems like that's where we are going. And so this is an important
1: issue that we want to talk about today. A clear path forward requires looking back and learning. Good public policy requires human connection. It's a consideration of the facts, applying common sense, and innovation. It's urban. It's rural. It's real life. We all have something to contribute. We all have a responsibility to get informed, because there's a little piece of Canada in all of us, isn't there? Let's learn on this path together.
0: This is Leaders on the Frontier. Sean Buckley is the president of the Natural Health Products Association of Canada, He's also a constitutional lawyer, and he's with me here today to talk about Health Canada regulations. Welcome, Sean.
2: David, so good to be on your show.
0: Well, Sean, uh, what the heck is going on? Is Health Canada buckling down? Are they using regulations to, frankly, bully and put out of business uh, natural health products in our country? So,
2: David, we're in the end game. So I've been um, I've been practicing as a lawyer in this field for 29 years. In fact, in 1994, I was introduced to the regulations, shall we say, of of natural health products, when I was acting for Health Canada in a court case. So I I started on Health Canada side, and then I ended up moving um, to the other side, and I've spent about half of my career acting against Health Canada on behalf of natural health product manufacturers and practitioners and the like. And I've been called as an expert witness in parliament on this issue. For my entire career, Health Canada has wanted to get rid of natural health products.
0: Sorry, you're saying for your entire career, you've sensed that Health oh. Canada has wanted to do this.
2: Yeah, they've just they've but they've been put off by citizen pressure. So um yeah, so I can, I can give you a little bit of the history, but, you know, maybe I'll just share with you how I got involved with this, because it'll illustrate how important this is from both a legal philosophical perspective and just from a health perspective. So I told you, you know, I'd started actually acting for Health Canada. And so what happened was, is there was a herbalist named Jim Strauss in Kamloops, who was importing a bunch of herbs from the united states perfectly mm-hmm. legal for him to import and health canada seized them at the border so he's suing health canada because health canada stole his herbs and so i ended up acting for health canada in that lawsuit now health canada internally and i'll tell you that they waived solicitor client privilege Um, It would have been back in, I think, 1995 or 1996, so I could act for Jim Strauss in another matter. So I'm free to talk about this. But they would refer to him, to me, as a rogue herbalist. And they would explain to me, can you believe this? This rogue herbalist is selling unapproved treatments. And I knew nothing about this. I drank the Kool-Aid and I thought, oh, is this ever reckless? Here we've got somebody selling unapproved treatments. Now, it's important for everyone to understand, David, all natural products were unapproved. Our drug regulations were designed for chemical drugs. Mm. They They were never designed for natural health products. We've learned that chemical drugs are so dangerous that we've created this regulatory environment where Basically, you cannot put one on the market. They're presumed to be unsafe. They're presumed to not work. And you have to prove to Health Canada they're safe. You have to mm-hmm. prove to Health Canada they work. And then and only then can you get a license and, uh, and allow them to be used. Well, that makes tremendous sense for dangerous chemical drugs because right. they are three of the, the five leading causes of death in every Western nation are linked to chemical pharmaceutical drugs. Sorry, can you repeat that again? Three out of five of the five leading causes of death, although two of them usually are hidden from the public, are linked to chemical pharmaceutical drugs. The point I'm making is, is that as a category, they carry a tremendous risk. Mm -hmm. Now, so so this is all fine and good. If you wanna use thalidomide, to treat nausea in pregnancy, well you better prove it's safe and effective. Mm-hmm. We'd all we'd all agree with that. Right. But you know, if we've been using ginger tea for two thousand years to treat nausea during pregnancy, surely all of a sudden that doesn't have to be illegal, does it? Do you mean really all of a sudden the government can tell us we can't use ginger treat tea to treat nausea in pregnancy after mm-hmm. two thousand years of safe and effective
0: use? So you're making the case, Sean, that we need good regulation, we need to have smart regulation, but we have recognized the risks of chemical drugs and said, you've got to prove it to me as a regulator that your drug is safe. But over here are natural health products, which are really a different category. So it's like a an orange versus a banana, if I could say. Oh, it,
2: it, you know, it it's night and day. And I, the point I'm trying to make is, is is everyone's going oh well we need we need tight regulations on natural health products we need regulations on natural health products well understand for almost all of our of your life david they've been completely unregulated mm-hmm. did you feel uns like we didn't have any regulations until 2004 that's when we moved halfway into the chemical drug models with the natural health product regulations but it took us probably about 12 years to get the industry mostly compliant. So, almost for your whole life, every natural product you went into a health food store, almost everything you bought has been unregulated. Okay. And in the United States, they're unregulated. Do you feel unsafe when you order from the United States because the products are like three quarters cheaper? They cost just a fraction because our regulations have driven up the prices dramatically. So, we're low income people can't regulate them. But let me get back to this story. I was just making the point, you know, the Health Canada saying, Ooh, can you believe this rogue Herbalist is selling unapproved treatments? So I go to court and I have his case dismissed. He's suing the federal government in the wrong court, but he and I got along well. And I later started my own firm and he, um, in another effort to have him shut down the province of British Columbia charged him with practicing medicine without a license. So the act that gave the doctors their medical monopoly said only doctors can practice medicine and the practice of medicine was defined so broadly as to include making treatment claims. Well, he couldn't stop saying that he could cure heart disease. He drove around in a big white van, covered in red letters, we cure heart disease. He was religious about saying he could could cure heart disease And David, why he was religious about that? He was an older gentleman. He flew for the German Air Force in World War II. He was an Austrian. And his family had been traditional healers in Austria for four centuries. Hmm. So over 400 years, his family had been traditional healers. And he was trained by his grandparents to be a traditional healer. He just had this expertise that was unbelievable. But he had no interest in that at all. So he got a PhD in electrical engineering. He's working as an electrical engineer for BC Hydro, and he has a heart attack. He's rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. They do an angiogram, and he's got one artery 100% blocked and another 80% blocked. And they say, Jim, you need a double bypass surgery to survive. Hmm. And he thinks, I don't like that idea. He checks himself out. He makes the heart drops. He He cures himself. He died in an old old folks home 30 years later, never having a bypass surgery. And he thought, okay, I've got to share this with the world. So he quits his job and he starts into the family business. Now he's interested. I'm dead on the facts. He's making treatment claims. He's not a doctor. The law says only doctors can make treatment claims. Mm So I decide to attack the law as being unconstitutional because we have freedom of expression in section 2B of our our charter. And here we have a law that prohibits expression except by doctors. And the law was on my side, I do the legal research and you know, this this is probably like 1995, 1996 when our charter actually meant something. And like, I mean, when I say the law's on my side, I'm not worried about the law, I'm worried about the facts. Because if I have a judge accepting Health Canada's narrative that this is a rogue herbalist selling an unapproved treatment and think of the danger, judge. What if somebody delays proper approved treatment and dies Mm -hmm. or, you know, or worse, you know, or not worse, but it, or is, you know, disabled, there is a public danger here. It doesn't matter the loss on my side, the judge is going to do everything he or she can not to rule for me just as you or i would like we'd oh my gosh i'm going to hurt people so i've got to get around this narrative so i go and i have a meeting at jim's herb shop and i say jim is there any way we can show you're telling the truth like i know you'll tell your story but you know you're the defendant it'll seem a little self-serving and like is there any other evidence well david he goes into the back and he brings me out boxes. It was either three or five. I forget now. I remember it was an odd number. These boxes were filled with letters that people just felt compelled to write to him. And they were all the same. Like literally, so we're talking how many letters are in three or five boxes, like thousands and thousands of letters. And they're all the same. I had heart disease. I was sick. I was dying. I took your heart drops. Like God bless you. Hmm. Those letters are useless in court. I can't admit them. They're hearsay. But I can call the authors of those letters to take the stand, swear to tell the truth, and tell the truth. And that's the highest level of evidence. So I start phoning these people. On the day of tri- trial, I had five middle class professionals. And I, I chose middle class professionals just because the judge is a middle class professional. So, you know, no credibility issues. They had all had heart disease they had all had at least one open heart bypass surgery, one of them had had two. They all continued deaf heart disease because the reason their arteries were, were plugging up was not being addressed. They all needed another bypass surgery. Two of them were too weak to survive the surgery, so they were sent home to die. And the other three weren't willing to go through it again just to buy another year or two of life because it was so invasive. So for them, the approved treatments were now a dead end they all come across the heart drops. They all get well, David, they had all been disabled for years and years and years and years. They're all working full-time at trial.
0: Wow.
2: You can't fake that. You can't fake being on disability for a decade and then working full-time. So that was my road to Damascus experience because when I was working for health Canada against the herbalist and accepting without thinking Um, I thought the danger was allowing people to sell unapproved treatments. But after I prepared for that trial, I realized, no, actually the danger is not to allow consenting adults to decide how they are going to treat themselves and be the best judges for their own health. And the danger was removing that single treatment from the market. And I could have given you the names, addresses, and phone numbers of thousands of Canadians who were only alive, only alive because of that single product. So we're talking actually now life and death. So when we say, you know, when Health Canada is telling us, and I'll explain shortly how we're going to lose these treatments, like 100% we're going to lose them. And Health Canada says, well, but we need the stricter regulations to protect you. Health Canada never does a balanced risk analysis to ask, well, what's the risk of removing these products? I mean, I could go on and on and give you example after example. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a case where the court agreed, uh, well, you were breaking the law, but it was legally necessary or Uh there'd be more
0: deaths. Like we're talking life and death. So, so these are very powerful stories, Sean, that illustrate that within our healthcare system and community, there are a variety of choices and treatments available. And one of those choices or ranges of treatments has to do with natural health products, period. So now let's move forward to June. See, there's a bill C-47 that was introduced, correct? Yeah. So, well, that was just our budget bill, but Health
2: Canada snuck something in there. So, What is happening, David, is remember I told you we moved halfway into a a chemical drug model in 2004, which was interesting. So the chemical drug regulations were never intended for natural products, but they became so popular in North America that both the FDA and the States and Health Canada started attacking them, basically saying you have to comply with these chemical drug regs. And so products were disappearing, companies were going under, Mm. and citizens rebelled. But what's interesting is 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 the citizen rebellions led to opposite results. So in the United States, Congress was forced to look into how should we regulate natural health products, and they passed the law, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of nineteen ninety four, where they classed them as
0: foods. Mm, okay,
2: and they actually put a legal presumption; they're presumed by law to be safe because they looked into it and said this is silliness. FDA to presume there's a danger, The presumed by law to be safe, and the FDA can only take a single one off the market if the FDA has actual evidence, you know, that that product
0: is a risk. I see. So yeah. in other words, in the United States, they said, look, these natural health products are really food. They should be in that category. Um, they're relatively safe. So putting on the drug regulatory framework would be like taking a sledgehammer to a fly kind of well, thing
2: absolutely so in the united states you don't need government pre-approval to sell a natural product for a therapeutic purpose so you can sell ginger tea for nausea
0: mm-hmm.
2: like we have been for 2000 years so but in canada we did the opposite we had a citizen rebellion standing committee of health holds broad consultations and says we shouldn't regulate these as drugs and don't pretend they're unsafe but Health Canada drags its feet for six years after the recommendations come out and then imposes chemical drug regulations. So in the U.S., they're a food. In Canada, they're a drug. In the okay. U.S., they're presumed by law to be safe. In Canada, they're presumed by law to be unsafe. They wow. have to prove they're safe. In the U.S., you don't need government pre-approval. In Canada, now
0: we do. So we have a complete different regulatory regime, ironically, between the United States and Canada when it comes to natural health food products. So. June comes along and they put something into a bill. There's a number of components in Bill C-47 as I read it. And one of them has to do with with what, when it comes to natural health food products. Okay,
2: so, and this is why I was giving you the history. So we moved halfway into a drug model. The, you know, we accepted it. The natural health product community stomached it because there were two concessions. So the first concession is you could use traditional use evidence to get through the efficacy requirement, mm-hmm. because we don't have intellectual property rights, right. so we, without without a patent, you can't get through the new drug approval process because you'll never recover your 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 investment. So, um, so we could use traditional use evidence, and probably three quarters or more of natural health products that are licensed, it's licensed on traditional use evidence, and the other concession was we didn't have to pay the
0: licensing fees. What do you mean by traditional use evidence? What do you mean by that?
2: Well, if we've been using, you know, ginger tea to treat nausea for 2000 years, and we have records of that, that's traditional use evidence. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know, let's say, let's say, David, you and I wanted to, let's say, you know, God forbid, you know, we had a currency collapse and trade collapse for six months. And, you know, Canada's not getting any citrus fruits and we're eating meat and potatoes and scurvy's come back. And you and I decide, well, you know, let's have, you know, a rose hip extract tea mm-hmm. to treat scurvy because they would be high in vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Well, we wouldn't have to run a double-blind clinical trial. Yeah, of course. We could, re- we could rely on the British naval records that yeah. show that vitamin C treats scurvy. That's what I mean, mm-hmm. is there's a lot of evidence. I mean, there, there were, you know, treatment manuals and books because before, chemical drugs are a recent thing. There's a whole body of evidence. Mm-hmm on using natural products to treat, most of our drugs are derived by natural products that work and it's just the molecules squeaked so it's now a a novel chemical and Mm -hmm. it's patented. So that's what I mean by traditional use evidence. So now Health Canada's come out with what's called the self-care framework where they're saying, no, we're gonna move you fully into the chemical drug model where you are regulated exactly like chemical drugs. And I'll just work through the the things. So the one thing you're referring to is, so in Bill C-47, our budget, Health Canada snuck in provisions at sections 500 to 504 that basically there's a set of penalties for the chemical pharmaceutical drugs. And Health Canada has special powers over the chemical pharmaceutical drugs because they are so dangerous. They never applied to natural health products. And when they were brought in in in, um, 2014, Health Canada and the government made it clear these are not appropriate for natural health products that don't carry the same level of risk. But be that as it may, they snuck into the federal budget provisions that now make those apply. before June 22nd, if you were a natural health product company or a naturopathic doctor, for example, and you you know violated the regulations, the maximum penalty you faced was five thousand dollars. Now it's gone up to five million dollars for every day you're in violation. Five million every day. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know of a practitioner or a natural health product company that could could handle that. Now Pfizer can that's pocket change for them. Do you see how ridiculous this Mm -hmm. is? Another element of this is, is we're going to lose the right to use traditional use evidence. Well, we're probably going to lose three quarters of our products there. The drug licensing fees and site licensing fees that they promised wouldn't apply are now going to be applied. That was already gazetted in the Canada Gazette. So prices are going to go up and we're going to lose products. Mm -hmm. Well, David, prices are already ridiculous. It's, it's interesting, I was on a Twitter Spaces call with a practitioner, a natural practitioner, who sets up, he's consulted by both Americans and Canadians. And he was saying, you know, I, the same treatment protocol for, for Canadians costs about four times as much. And that's solely because of our regulations wow. already driving up the prices. Well, it means that lower-income Canadians no longer have the option of using natural remedies. They're already locked into a chemical drug model, which is far more dangerous and especially for chronic illnesses, way less effective.
0: So this is going to have a serious impact on the availability of natural remedies, a whole series of product lineups because they can't afford this regulatory framework that's really being slapped on them by Health Canada. So what should people do? uh, do, what, what should they be doing in this situation?
2: Yeah. i well, no, just also say they're not going to license professional products. So anything that, you know, your naturopathic doctor, traditional Chinese wow. practitioners, any of them use, no, you have to go through the new drug approval process that you can't. So the goal is, is to get rid of, of most of our products. We're going to still have vitamins and minerals. We're going to have single ingredient products, maybe a couple of combinations, but in label amounts that are meaningless and our practitioners will be gone because they won't have the meaningful products anymore. So this is part of international harmonization to move us fully into a chemical drug model. Wow! It's accident that the World Health Organization is now looking into how should we regulate
0: natural products. So this isn't just about getting rid of natural health products. It's also going to punt out of the, the health business, so to speak, the practitioners, That are naturopaths like the chinese traditional um, herbalists won't be in business is that what you're saying
2: absolutely because if they don't have products to help us with how are they going to stay who why would you even go to them
0: right but this goes for all kinds of traditional medicine over many years like i i can think of aboriginal practitioners to chinese i mean there's a myriad Mm -hmm. of this is, I, I should tell you on a personal note, my great grandfather was um, a physician from Germany and he was very much practiced in herbal medicine as part of it. It was, it was all part of the, the regimen of practicing medicine with mm-hmm. herbs as well. So he wouldn't have been in business either.
2: Oh no, absolutely. So this, this is the train wreck and you asked me what can people do. So I hopefully you can post the the website but i i'm part of a group called the natural product protection association as you indicated and our website is nhppa.org and i'd i'd like your viewers to do a couple of things is first of all we have a subscribe page where you can give us your name and your email address please subscribe because we're going to be doing campaign after campaign after campaign and we're also go, also gonna be doing things like, you know, call outs for volunteers. We don't send a lot of emails, but it's, it's really our only surefire way to communicate with you. Obviously, you know, follow our social media channels and the like, but also, David, we need people to start donating to us monthly. We have a mechanism there where you can, you know, set it up so that you donate monthly. Even if, you know, it's 25 or $50 a month, because we're, we're setting up some structures, which I'll share with you, that are quite exciting. And we need to hire people to manage this. Um, we're going to be, you know, like the NCI, largely doing volunteers. But the reality is, is, is to win this fight, and we think it's going to be a year-long campaign. Wow. We need support. So we're setting up a team to basically get every natural health practitioner's office to be an interface for us. And we're also going to be tying them in with, you know, kind of a wider network of, Physicians and, and naturopaths and, and healthcare practitioners of all stripes, um, and this other organization is already is basically creating an alternative healthcare system, mm-hmm. and there's safety in numbers. So you know if the homeopathic doctors are getting attacked, and you've got all of the practitioners in a single organization, they can stand up together and and actually be a force. Okay. We also um, we need people. The problem is is we've all allowed our institutions to be taken over Mm. and we actually need to get people involved in all levels of governments and institutions so we're partnering with a bunch of other groups to basically do nationally what take back alberta is is doing on a smaller scale in alberta where we're going to be creating community organizations in all 338 federal ridings it will be organized provincially because federal writings are organized provincially. Um, and then we'll also go municipal and right down to the school board level, but basically to teach and empower people to join all three parties. You know, if you're, if you lean NDP, well, join the NDP party. If you're, you know, you're liberal, join the liberal, if you're conservative, join conservative, but as a small, you have to get involved in party politics. And insist that our politicians are responsive on health issues and freedom issues, because that's where the power is. Hmm. The the problem is is we've we've allowed ourselves not to be involved. And you know, those are just a couple of the campaigns we're, you know, also gonna have to organize against the media, mainstream media and the whole thing. But for whatever reason, we seem to be a lightning rod. But David, this is the most exciting thing that Health Canada has taken away our, our access to natural health products, because the last two times they tried, we had the largest citizen rebellions in Canadian history, 98 and 2008. Wow. People, people get mad, and we can get the natural health product community mad. And the freedom groups also want to be involved in this fight. So it's a test case. Can we get parliament responsive? And the only two things we want is is basically we want harmonization with the US. Don't treat these like drugs, regulate them as foods. We shouldn't need government pre-approval to use ginger tea for nausea for crying out loud. And also get us out of the World Health Organization because ultimately that's what this is a part of. And, you know, I think people would be shocked about things like the treaty that we can't call a treaty and that we would be basically giving up our right to decide how we're gonna handle health issues during a pandemic, but people would be shocked.
0: Well, look, uh, so Sean, you've referred us to a website. There's opportunities for people to get involved if they share your policy concerns about this issue. And I think part of the irony to this is that our healthcare system uh, in Canada, despite having wonderful people in it, is certainly not ranked as one of the best healthcare systems in the country. It's certainly one of the most expensive. Um, We need choices when it comes to treatment, and what better person to decide that than, uh, oh, yourself. So Mm -hmm. I I think this is the, the paradox, is it not, that we have a state that's trying to, in effect, take away your choices that are fairly intelligent or could be part of your treatment regime. So there's a lot at stake here. There's a larger story. Is there not, Sean?
2: You're, you're raising the most important issue, which is our rights issue. So who has sovereignty over your body? Is it you or is it Health Canada? Because if we accept a drug model for anything but the chemical pharmaceutical drugs, and I mean, I agree they should be deemed illegal and uns- and you, know, you have to go through this licensing regime. But if you apply them to natural products that we've been using for thousands of years, then the the logical consequence of that is we won't have them as a choice and let's not pretend that they're unsafe david you are 14 times more likely to be struck by lightning than to be harmed by a natural product like peanut butter is more dangerous than all of the natural health products on canadian market because in most given years in fact i'm not aware of a a, a, i don't think health canada can point to a single death caused by a natural product in all of canadian history which means that they're so few and far between that, that nobody can even document one. And yet peanut butter each year causes a number of deaths. So it's a statistical fact that peanut butter is more dangerous than the entire natural product industry. And yet here we have a risk of removing the product. So let's not even talk about danger like Health Mm -hmm. Canada does, but who should have the right to choose how to treat yourself, but accepting this drug model Health Canada's got resources. They drive all these products off the market. Mm-hmm. So so we actually don't have a choice because we've accepted this chemical drug model and say it applies to things other than chemical drugs. So it's absolutely ridiculous. There's already a large number of natural product treatments that are gone just because of our regulations. Wow.
0: So, Sean, I'm, I'm wondering if um, part of the larger strategic picture is that it has to do with, with the regulatory process and who's in control of it. Um, In an ideal world, we'd like to believe that there's a a merit-based bureaucracy that's neutral, that's really looking at evidence-based information. But we know that in the case of the United States, uh, Big Pharma has really, to a large degree, taken over the regulatory process. Sadly, I would never believe it if someone had told this uh, to me 10 years ago. But all the evidence points in that direction, and I say this uh, you know studying this matter carefully is the same dynamic happened in Canada from your perspective I don't mean to put you on the spot in terms of that question but is that the danger of what's happened that that the uh, the pharmaceutical industry has taken over that regulatory process and now wants to impose that same regulatory process that they run basically on others including natural health products
2: So now, first of all, so accepting that, you know, it's dangerous to speculate about why things are, um, you have to understand that Health Canada is not there to protect your health. Um, I can point you to court transcripts where I've had Health Canada inspectors on the stand and when, and they're quite clear, they're not there to protect our health. They are there to enforce the Food and Drug Act and regulations And the Food and Drug Act and regulations, there's nothing in there about protecting health. There's nothing in there about getting good health outcomes. There's nothing in there about even, you know, acting in the public interest. And as, you know, Alan Castles, a professor at the University of Victoria explained quite clearly when he testified at the National Citizens' Inquiry, our drug regulations are to protect intellectual property rights. And I've lectured on that for decades, that our, our, our drug regulations aren't there to protect health. They're there to protect intellectual property rights. Health Canada, most of their budget comes from fees they charge the, the chemical drug companies. I mean, it, it, you, it's a classic conflict of interest. But, but if you thought they were there to protect your health, which Health Canada isn't, but if they were there to protect our health, they would be in a conflict. You, you then can't have them collecting their salaries from the chemical drug companies that they're there to, to regulate. And they refer in their internal communications to the, the chemical drug companies as their client. Now, I don't know if you know about Dr. Shiv Chopra, but he was a drug approval scientist for Health Canada, I think, for 30 years. And he became a whistleblower and he forced the Senate to call him and four other drug approval scientists as witnesses into Health Canada corruption. And one of them, Dr. Margaret Hayden, um, in a CBC interview after her testimony explained that as a drug approval scientist at Health Canada, you come to learn how, um, when you recommend that a drug not be approved how the senior management are going to run around your decisions. So let this sink in for your audience David. So here we have a Health Canada drug approval scientist who will then decide that it's it's not a drug shouldn't be approved. It's not safe, it's not effective, the risk, you know, the risks outweigh the benefits. So she's making a recommendation that drug shouldn't be approved and she says, well after you've been at Health Canada for a while, you learn how they're going to run around their own scientists. And what she explained is, is what the management does, and it's this is just classic, nobody can be responsible, is the management will appoint a panel of outside experts. The outside experts will then recommend the drug be approved, but you don't know who voted yes or no, so no single person is liable there. And then the management just follows the recommendation of the experts. So how can the management be liable? Well there's this outside panel of experts and we're just adopting the recommendation. And this happens time and time and time again. Wow. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if you call that corruption, but I I'm deeply troubled that when health Canada's own internal drug approval, experts will recommend that a drug not be approved that time and time and time again, they're run around with this procedure.
0: So, You've shared a lot of information today, Sean, with the, uh, the impacts of, uh, C 47. It's not over yet. And, uh, you're really challenging us to open our eyes and look at this important issue. So if they want more information, they can look at the website. They could probably mm-hmm. talk to their naturopath or, or, uh, also herbalist. Is that a fair comment that, that those are. Yeah, resources? So,
2: so at the NHPPA.org site, um, So yes, please visit, and as I say, subscribe, and please support us financially, because we are in a war, and the the time's past where we can sit on our our laurels, both with our time and our finances, but we have, um, we've got basically a two-page document that outlines, you know, the reader's digest of what's going on, and then we have a 35-page discussion paper written for the industry, you know, if you want the real meat about what's going on. Right now we have a campaign to put pressure on on all MPs. We teach you how to meet with your MP. We teach you how to write a letter. If you're not willing to write a letter, we've got a form letter there. We basically, and we're going to be running other campaigns to equip you. So this is this is one of those things where literally we've got a couple of years left and we're going to lose these products. We're we're literally going to be in, in a cage where, you know, they're handing us the chemicals through. The bars, because that's that's the only options we'll have, mm-hmm. and we will not have access to truthful information. So, David, they're going to be collecting these fees that they said they would never collect, and they say they're going to hire inspectors, and these inspectors are going to go out into the market marketplace and censor truthful information. Now, that's not how they're wording it. They're 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 out there to to make sure that everyone you know was following the rules, but. We basically, Health Canada takes the position that companies and practitioners cannot share truthful health information publicly, that all they're allowed to do is, is when you, when you're granted a license, there'll be a label claim. So for example, there's a company in Alberta called True Hope that sells a, a vitamin and mineral supplement for bipolar disorder. It's, it's likely the most effective treatment for bipolar disorder in the world David, there are 35 peer-reviewed published journal articles all funded by governments around the world. So not a single one funded by the, this company. Governments around the world have been so impressed mm. with this product that they've stumped up public money. I mean, the Alberta government coughed up half a million dollars for a double-blind clinical trial on this this product. Like It impresses governments. So this is government-funded research, peer-reviewed most of it in blue chip journals like journal of psychiatry journal of child and Mm -hmm. adolescent psychopharmacology and it is illegal for true hope to share those journal publications with the public they're all they're allowed to say is their label claims such as supports mental health and well-being now they used to share that until june 22nd when you know their only liability would be like a five thousand dollar fine but now that it's a five million dollar per day fine They have taken that information down the censorship noose is tightening dramatically and like practitioners can't advertise truthfully about what treatments they have and what what they can do for you so it's it's really scary what's going on
0: wow well this has certainly been an eye-opening conversation with you sean buckley president of the Natural Health Foods Products Association of Canada and also constitutional lawyer. Thank you so much for your hard work and leadership on this important matter.
2: David, thank you for having me on your show, and it's just a pleasure to see you again. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for watching Leaders on the Frontier. We're a nonpartisan think tank. We explore ideas, policy, and practical solutions that can make a difference in the lives of Canadians. We do not accept any government funding. We work for you. Thank you for supporting Frontier. Visit fcpp.org to give. While you're there, be sure to check out our latest articles and research. Without open discussion and debate, you're not thinking, nor are you free. Comment below. We'd love for you to join the conversation.